Hello and welcome to Success Stories. I'm Kendra Hall, Chief Storytelling Officer at Success Magazine, and this is the podcast where we sit down with the brightest stars and the boldest thought leaders as they share their stories so you can create your own success story. For today's episode, it is just going to be you and me. Now, as you might know, my title at Success is Chief Storytelling Officer. This podcast is called Success Stories, and there is a good reason for both of those things. My expertise, passion, research, and life's work, really, is entirely focused on the power of storytelling. I wrote the book, Stories That Stick, how storytelling can captivate customers, influence audiences, and transform your business. And I host this podcast in hopes that we get to hear some of the untold stories of my guests. And while I hope you have enjoyed those stories, I also thought it was about time we started talking about your stories and why you should tell them. I could go on and on about the reasons why you should work to develop your storytelling skills, how storytelling engages teams, leads to more sales, raises your esteem among your colleagues, your community, your people. But for now, I'm not going to go into all of that. For now, I want you to think about some of the stories you've heard on this podcast or even read in Success Magazine or heard on another podcast. The ones that even if you can't remember all the details, the ones that gave you additional insights or understandings or even just enjoyment or those stories that shed some light on something maybe you yourself have been wrestling with. It gave you an idea or inspiration for a new way forward. Now, sharing your stories isn't an arrogant thing to do. It is a generous thing to do. And today I want to enable and empower you to at least get started with sharing your stories. We are going to discuss, I mean, we can't get into, this isn't a full-on storytelling training. There's a time and a place for that, but we are going to discuss a few of the common misconceptions or stopping points that keep people from sharing their stories. We'll talk about some of the mistakes that are made and answer a few of the most common questions I get when people really are dipping their toe into telling their own stories. And really that's the goal. If if just in an upcoming meeting or an email or even a conversation with one of your children or colleagues, I hope that after listening to this and all of the episodes where stories have been shared, you choose to tell your story. So let's get started with 
First of all, I think the biggest misconception or, or the thing that I hear most often that stops people from sharing their stories, and that is they think they don't have a story to tell. I can't see you right now, but go ahead and raise your hand if you've ever had that thought or nod your head. And really, it isn't just that you don't think or they don't think they have a story to tell, but it's more nuanced than that. There's a, there's a lot more to it than just that. The thought is that their stories or your story isn't big enough. It isn't important enough. It isn't dramatic enough. And if you think about it, there's a, a reason that we think Big stories are the only thing that matters. I mean, that's what blockbuster movies are. That's what, you know, get, I think about my interview with Chris Gardner and um, his story, if you will, was made into a huge movie, The Pursuit of Happiness. His character was played by Will Smith. And it'd be easy to sit in the theater or or read the books and and take in these stories and think that because your story is small, there isn't a place for it, that it isn't enough. And that, that is simply not the case. If you've ever thought to yourself, I don't have a story to tell, you are wrong. Every day, stories are happening in our lives. And sometimes, most times, they're very, very small. But that doesn't mean that they can't be told. So, so this is actually, this is how I, I want you to think about it. Instead, instead of thinking, I don't have a story to tell, remember this, our stories don't sound like stories to us. Our stories just sound like life. By nature, what has happened to us, our experiences, our observations, the lessons we've learned, and essentially the stories we could tell, don't seem out of the ordinary because it is ordinary for us. I shared a story in Stories That Stick that illustrated this perfectly. I was on a flight. I was sitting next to a gentleman and um, we had just boarded the plane. And as I sat down, the guy barely looked up. He was totally engrossed in this phone conversation and he was staring at a tablet device with a, <laughs> like a very, very furrowed brow. He was, he was definitely concerned. And as I was, as I was sitting there, I couldn't help myself, but eavesdrop or listen in or overhear pieces of his conversation. Um, and as I glimpsed at his screen and listened to his conversation, there was a photo of a massive fire that, if my eyes weren't deceiving me, was coming out of the ground. So the man zoomed in and out of the image of the fire and an image that once I realized my seatmate was far too wrapped up in his conversation to pay any attention to whether or not I was looking, an image that showed a man with a shield trying to approach this fire that was coming out of the ground. And the guy sitting next to me mumbled something about concrete shrapnel on the ground and the rig had been compromised. And 
that yes, he was going to have to turn around and head back to the Middle East. Um, Shortly thereafter, he ended the call. The flight was about to take off and... And I just, I couldn't help myself. I started up a conversation and he was actually headed somewhere to visit his mother for her 90th birthday. Um, And then he said something like, but it sounds like instead I'm going to have to turn around and head back to the Middle East. And I responded with my best feign of innocence. Like I didn't know what he was saying. And I said, oh, and then he revealed to me that he was an international expert in fighting oil rig fires once they have been um, set off by attacking terrorists. He was quiet and reserved as he told me about his work and about the best friend that he lost and his passion for this work, even though it was so dangerous. And I was totally captivated by his stories. Now you have to admit, these are big stories. I'd never heard of anything like it. And as we began our descent, I asked him if he ever shared these stories. And he looked at me in disbelief and said, I mean, this is literally what he said to me. Stories? I don't have any stories. Never mind the fact that we had just been on a flight for three hours as he was recounting these incredible moments in history. But for him, that's just part of what he does. He has normalized those stories within him. And and that, of course, is an extreme example. That is a big job. But if he can do that, certainly we can do that. There are fascinating things about each of us, about the way that we grew up, about the places that we've lived, about the things that we've done. I have a girlfriend who I found out at one point was like a international or a national champion in jumping rope. Like she went to rope jumping competitions. Now she may not think that's interesting, but who does that? I couldn't wait to hear the stories about that experience. So if ever you've had that thought that I don't have a story to tell, which is the reason you don't tell any stories, I I want you to stop yourself right there and remind yourself that No, of course you do have stories. They just sound normal to you. And so we don't tell them. So A, keep in mind that you do have stories. You do have things about your life, about your experiences, about the challenges that you have overcome that other people would find fascinating. They're so outside of of who we are and what we do. I'll never forget, we were recently on a vacation in Florida and my kids were playing at the pool with some friends that they had met. And these friends, later my son told me that these friends were from, I think they were from somewhere in the Midwest. And he said, the the kids just kept asking about living in New York City. They were asking about where we park our car and, and, uh, you know, where our driveway is and, and how we get to school and, and, you know, wait, you don't, 
you know, you take cabs to where you go. And, and even just there in the conversations between the kids, that's a completely different life experience living in a city versus living in the Midwest. So you do have experiences that are different and therefore interesting and therefore stories to someone else. Secondly, B, start recognizing those experiences. Take a look at, at what you've been through and, and actually see how different it is. Give yourself that credit. It takes a little bit of self-awareness, but you'll find a whole lot of stories in there. And then lastly, I would say C to this point, this question of or statement that I don't have a story to tell. Even in the stories that are the same as other people's, there is power there too. I remember one of the first stories I told about my own life um, was at an open mic night at a storytelling festival, which I know you probably haven't been to a storytelling festival and, and that's totally fine. But I was telling this story and I was nervous to do so because it wasn't anything exciting or different or special. It was simply a story about this boy that I had liked and the silly ways I made a fool of myself in front of him. And of course, I was concerned that no one was going to like my story or find it interesting. But in fact, the opposite had happened because though my story wasn't extraordinary or extraordinary, it was ordinary. There were people in the audience who had been through a similar situation, had made a fool of themselves in front of their high school crush or, or put themselves out there only to have their heart broken. And there was power in that common shared experience. Because as I was telling them my story, even though it wasn't outrageously different than anything they had experienced, it gave them a moment, the people listening to the story, a moment to revisit, relive some of the stories from their life. And let me tell you, if you have ever had that opportunity to to take a moment and really reflect on some of the places that you've been or the, the people you've met or you know some of the silly memories from your past and and there was somebody who told you a story that made you remember those things that is where the richness of of life is that is where we look back and say wow those things happened. <laughs> like there's been beauty in the small moments of my life. So, so in that way, and I want to go back to what I had said earlier, sharing your stories, whether you are a guest on a podcast or, or whether you're at a, a networking luncheon with, with colleagues or whatever the situation may be, maybe you're a leader and it's within your team. This is not an arrogant thing to do. This is a generous thing to do because either you are sharing new information and enlightening and expanding the minds of those who are listening to your story, or you're sharing something familiar and that 
the power of enrichment, of seeing the beauty in our own lives. And that's a very generous thing to do. So first misconception, if you've ever told yourself, I do not have a story to tell, I hate to tell you, but you are wrong. <laughs> so now that we've covered perhaps the biggest, most important misconception, I think it lends, the conversation lends itself to talking about one of the biggest mistakes. One of the biggest mistakes that people make when they do decide to share their story. And it might even be one of the reasons why people think they don't have a story to tell. So the mistake that happens where people go wrong is they decide they want to tell their story and then they try to tell the whole thing. Like they, they start at, at the very beginning and it, and it, it is, it's confusing to know where to start, what to include, what needs to be in there. And what often ends up happening is the story sounds a lot, has a lot of what I like to call the and then. I started this business and then, and da, 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 and then da, 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 and then da, 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 da. And yeah, when you are just quote unquote telling a story and it just kind of goes in a straight line as if you are reciting back dates on a calendar, uh, this is not really a story. And, and even if it, we could classify it as a story, it would be a pretty boring one. So that's one of the big mistakes is when someone wants to share their story, they start at the beginning of the timeline and they talk about the timeline all the way through and then get to the end of the timeline, which is usually now. So here's what I would recommend instead. Choose one moment or maybe two or at the most three. Well, I say at the most, depending on how long your message is, how much time you have to share your story and really zoom in. Um, for example, I was working with a pro baseball player. Uh, he was a former pro ball player. And as a result of his experience, there were different organizations that wanted him to come and speak. And he was smart enough, wise enough to recognize that Yes, there is an opportunity there. As a professional athlete, um, people are always interested in those stories. Um, and we happened to be friends. And so I sat down with him and was going to help him. And when he first came to me, he said, well, this is what my story is. And it sounded a lot like the and then, and then I played ball as a kid. I loved playing ball. And then in college, I played more baseball. And then I got drafted. And then I played for this team. And then after a while, I got injured and traded. And then I played for this team. And then I got injured again. And I wanted to keep playing, but I didn't. And now I realized that this 
this is actually my future to inspire others to overcome obstacles, the end. You can even hear it as I'm basically, as I'm paraphrasing this, you can hear all of the and thens. But the true richness of the story is in the moments, the the big moments, the big memories um, along that journey. And and again, we we talked earlier that it doesn't actually have to be big, uh, but it's all about zooming in. A moment gets bigger when you zoom in on it and you spend time there. And in stories that stick, I share the four key components that every story needs to have. And I'm not going to go into a lot of detail here, but a few of those components are, well, one of them is a moment, which is what I'm telling you to do here to zoom in on a moment. Uh, One of the other components is to include emotions. What was he feeling in that moment? What was on his mind? What was in his heart? Uh, Specific details to get really vivid about that moment, about that point in time to make it a story. And, And so we got to work and one of the key moments that stood out for him on his journey, there were a few of them. One um, was a moment with his father, a piece of advice that his father had given him at a particular uh, a particular, I don't know what you would call it, um, instance of playing catch in the backyard. Um, and he really zoomed in on that moment and throwing the ball to his dad. And I think he, he got frustrated and his dad took that moment to sit him down and impart fatherly wisdom on this ball player, uh, this budding ball player, if you will. But the other moment that I wanted to share with you was he chose his first day on the field as a professional baseball player where he was going to play his position. He was going to hit the ball, you know, with his bat. You can tell I'm very into baseball. Um, But I was really into this story, even really having very little bit interest in baseball. I think it is incredibly boring. Um, But listening to him tell about coming out walking down through the the hallway that leads under the stadium and how it's so dark in that hallway and then coming out onto the field and it is so bright. And, and all he could see was, see, I'm retelling it right now. He told me this story over a decade ago. I have not revisited this story since he told it to me, but because he zoomed in and slowed down so much, the story is burned into my memory such that I can, at least on a paraphrase level, share it back with you. So he, he talked about how the hallway had been so dark and then you walk out onto the field and it is so bright. You see those big lights overhead and he remembered he could only see the lights, the green grass. And then he looked in the front row off of the third base line And he saw his dad, the man who had taught him to play ball, sitting next to his his mother, the woman who had loved him through the whole process. And that right there to hear, and, and he shared the emotions, the pride, the excitement, 
the humility in that moment. And you got to know so much. Not only were you enjoying this story, and this is one of those stories, as I mentioned earlier, that isn't a common experience. There aren't many of us who have walked out onto a field to play a game of professional baseball. So it is outside of of the everyday spectrum of experience. But But not only did you get an insight into that experience, you got an insight into him and who he is as a person and what he values and the fact that his parents were both sitting there and how much that meant to him and and the wonder of it all. And even though he'd been training for it and prepared for it, and you might think that athletes are are arrogant or, you know, whatever, whatever notions you might have about the outside of him. Through that story, you got to see the inside of him. And it was such a beautiful thing. Now, of course, that will serve him extremely well as he you know, continues to share this message in, in whatever ways that he chooses, chooses to share it. Um, but additionally, the fact that he zoomed in on one of those moments leaves a more lasting impression. It becomes a a greater gift to the person who is taking in the story, to the person who is listening to it. So, So that's one of the mistakes that people make is they try to tell the whole story. And as a result, they miss the deepness and and the beauty of the smaller stops along that journey. So as you are considering sharing your own stories, keep this in mind. And and one thing, one visualization I will give you to consider is imagine a um, a necklace um, and it has pearls on it, but they aren't all tightly wound together. You can see uh, pieces of the chain in between each pearl. If you were to lay that necklace out, it would look a lot like the story that you're sharing or the message you're delivering. And the chain is the part where you're kind of going along. You said, you know, I played the first time I ever, I'm now I'm really just making this up. But as an example, that our ball player could say, I remember the first time I played ball and, and I fell in love right away. And so every summer and then it would be every winter indoors, I was I was throwing a ball, I was stealing bases, I was swinging a bat, I loved baseball. That's the first part of the chain where he's really just establishing his love of the sport. And then we come to one of the pearls. And this is where we stop ourselves from saying, and then, and then, and then, because an and then story is just one long chain without any stones along the way. But the way that we want to tell it is you tell a bit of the chain, kind of the high level, and then there you come across a pearl. That is the story. Maybe that's the story of that one practice with his dad. And then you go along the chain and you say, well, after that practice, I went to high school, I went to college, and you go through it really quickly. And then, and that's when you zoom in on the next pearl on that chain. So if you ever feel like your story isn't really working, and and, and that's a big problem because if you try to tell a story and you're self-aware enough to know that it's really not doing the job. It's not getting the 
it's not getting the feedback that you were hoping for, you might just assume that it's not a good story or that you don't have a good story to tell. Now you know that what might be happening is you're just telling a long and then story instead of zooming in on particular pearls of stories. So that's one of the big mistakes. And now what I'd like to do is share with you a few questions that that I get asked, you know, whether it's on Instagram or via email or after an event, a few questions that people often ask me about their own personal stories. And and one just came in recently, which is actually what inspired me to record this podcast for all of you is I thought, you know, I haven't talked about this explicitly. And so I would like to answer this question in a way that doesn't just serve that person, uh, but can serve anybody else who is listening. And the question was, I have a big story. It was a really tragic story. I've been through some hard times. I want to share my story, but I don't want to sound like a victim. I want people to see the story as empowering um, without feeling sorry for me. What should I do? Great question. And I've been asked this question before. And even though I'm, I'm posing this as a question and not as a mistake, this also is a place where people can go wrong with their stories in that they want to tell a story that will inspire others, but instead it's really the way that they craft it, the way they put it together, it's really just a story and what was me story. Now, there are some people that that's what they want. Um, and if that is you, more power to you. But this particular person and others who have asked it in the past really are looking for a solution to take what is a tragic, challenging tale um, and not have it be defined in that way. So here are a few pieces of advice that I would offer. First and foremost, if you don't want to, and this might sound harsh, you can hear the pause before I before I share it, but... I feel like I need to be honest with you. If you don't want to sound like a victim, or if you don't want the story to sound like a victim story, make sure that you are at a place with this story where you don't see yourself as the victim. I'll say that again. If you want to tell a story and not sound like a victim, it is really important that for you, that you don't consider yourself a victim any longer. And in short, it might just mean that if you haven't gotten to that point yet, if you haven't fully healed, if if there is still if there is still some of of whatever it is that holds us in that victim place, it might just mean that the story isn't ready yet. Now, that's not to say that it never will be. And that's certainly not to say that it's a bad thing. But sometimes 
stories take longer before they're ready to be told. I talk about this in my new book that will be available for pre-order shortly. Depending on when you are listening to this podcast, you can look up Kendra Hall on Amazon and um, it should be there. The first part of the title is Choose Your Story. I talk about this in the book, about the concept of being in the middle of a story and how important it is to recognize when we are still in the middle of a story. That in and of itself is an empowering position. And it's okay. If you're still in the middle of that story, then by all means, wait to see how that story ends or or how it all turns out before you start telling it. Now, that being said, if you have worked yourself all the way through to the other side of the story, you know you're not the victim. You don't feel like the victim. You yourself have turned this story into a powerful piece within yourself in, instead of one that brings you down. The piece of advice I would give you is first and foremost to remember why you're telling it and who you're telling it for. That is going to be your North Star. That is going to dictate all of the decisions you make when it comes to what to include and what to leave out. Where stories of this nature often go wrong is we want to make sure that we give all, that the audience really understands or that the listener really understands how bad it really was. And so we end up spending a lot of our time on what went wrong or what was terrible or, or whatever the tragedy is. Now, of course, some of that needs to be included, but if you spend too much time there and your goal is not to sound like a victim, it will be difficult to then spend enough time on the empowering part to offset all of the negative. So as you are putting this story together and all of the, all of the heartbreaking pieces, all of the sad pieces, all of the bad pieces or the twists and turns, remember who you're telling this story for. You don't need to include all of it, only enough of it. And trust me, they'll feel it. Like they will be right there with you. That's the beauty of storytelling. If you're doing it right, the listener will come along with you and you don't have to back to the and then, and then, and then, and then story. You don't have to tell the whole thing, just the most important parts that will get your message across. So as you're working on this story, constantly be asking yourself, do they need to hear that part? Uh, I was working with a woman who had a a terrible thing occur in her life, and there were so many pieces to it, nuances, uh, details, um, moments, as we discussed just a few moments ago that we could have zoomed in on. I mean, the, the options really were endless. 
But much like the people who ask me this question, that wasn't the point of her story. The point of her story was who she became as a result. So we had to go through and say, I don't think we really need this. And we took it out. I don't think we really need this part. And we took it out. And in the end, we struck that perfect balance of, yes, this tragedy occurred, but now I am this person as a result. So as a, as a general rule of thumb, when you're telling one of these stories and you're concerned about sounding like a victim, just make sure that if you're going to take them down, that you then have enough of the story left to bring them back up again with you. Now, that being said, um, there's another question. I would say it's a sister question that I get asked a lot. It has to do with, with stories that are really emotional. And that is the question of what do I do when I have a really emotional story and every time I tell it, I start to cry. And and I feel very strongly about this. There are people who will likely disagree with me. Um, but my belief is the story you should never tell is the one that makes you cry when you tell it. Now, I am not saying you should not tell an emotional story. You absolutely should. But there is a common misconception. Oh, so maybe this isn't just a question, but also a misconception that if you get if you get emotional during the story while you're telling it, if you get weepy or shed a tear, it means you did something right. But the reality is you really couldn't have gone more wrong. So let me explain. First, let's start with this question. Why do you tell an emotional story in the first place? This is related to what we were just discussing. Why do you tell an emotional story in the first place? Is it because it makes you feel something? No. And if your answer is yes to that question, that right there could be your problem. The reason you tell an emotional story or any story for that matter is for the audience to benefit, the listener to benefit, the person experiencing the story. It should always be about them telling the story so that they can feel the emotion and take the journey to the lesson you want to teach. This is not about what you are feeling. Now, let me be clear. It is a good thing if your audience cries, all right? It means they were fully immersed in the feeling of it all, which is exactly what you want. But if you start crying, ugh, I'm going to say it, you, you've kind of ruined it. Yeah, you've ruined. So, so let me explain. Again, you've ruined their journey because they are no longer thinking about the journey. They now are thinking about you. They're wondering if you're okay. They start mentally trying to support you through your struggle instead of learning from your struggle themselves. 
With that very first tear you shed, you turn your story from an important message into a therapy session, and you're the patient on the couch instead of the leader in front of the room or or the guest sharing the story on on the podcast. It shows a lack of control ultimately and and is somewhat irresponsible because that isn't your goal. Your goal isn't for you to feel something. It's for them. So that is that's the first thing that I would say when, when somebody says, what do I do with a story that I always get emotional telling? If you have the inkling in the back of your mind that that's actually a good thing, let me set it straight. Now to answer the question of, okay, so what do, what do I do? What, what do I do if I want to share this story, but I'm always very emotional. So so here's what I would say. Um, and actually, I'll share a story with you. I have a story that I often tell at the end of my keynotes, and it's about my daughter. And I'll admit, there have been a few times, despite the fact that I've told that story hundreds of hundreds of times, um, but maybe on a day where I've been traveling a lot or I'm missing her especially, you know, especially much, um, her little extra that day where, where even I can feel that lump in my throat. It happens. We're human. That's the beauty of storytelling. There is emotion there. However, it does not make what I said previously wrong. It just means that you need to have a plan. So I would recommend before you tell what you know is a very emotional story for you in a high stakes situation, number one, make sure that you tell that story somewhere else. And many times see that story as like a ragged piece of wood that if you were to run your fingers over it, you would get splinters. And the telling and retelling of that story is like sandpaper to sand it down so that it's smooth. So that when you are telling the story in the moment when it matters, you're not running your fingers across the top of it, getting stuck by a splinter and starting to cry. Now, you can tell the story to yourself. You can tell it in the shower. You can tell it as you drive or when you go for a run. When I was on the speech team, they had us practice our stories to ourselves in front of a mirror or even if a mirror wasn't available right up against a wall, just so that you're so that you get used to experiencing the emotions and and continuing to tell the story. Then Test it in front of a group, tell it to a friend, tell it to a, a small circle of trusted colleagues to see if once you put that story live, if the emotions catch you off guard. So after all of that telling and retelling, hopefully you'll be ready for the story. But, but like I said, sometimes even I tell a story and it catches me off guard. So here's your backup plan. First, stop. Don't say another word when you feel that lump in your throat, when you feel your lips start to quiver or, or your eyes burn with tears. Just stop. Give your heart, your head, your voice, give it all a chance to catch up with each other. 
it's interesting because when we are delivering our stories, um, maybe it's on a podcast like this. Maybe, maybe you're asked to do it via Zoom for your team or you're giving a presentation, whatever the situation may be. Maybe you're an entrepreneur and your story is, is a really important part of your brand, uh, which if you are an entrepreneur, your story is a very important part of your brand. Make no mistake about that. But often, and you see, I did it just there. We're afraid of pausing. We're afraid of the silence. We, and it feels a lot longer than it actually is. And because of that, we try to just keep going. Uh, but because you don't take a pause, you can't get your head and your heart and your and your mouth and all those pieces to realign. Um, and you lose a little bit of control and that's when the emotions can take over. So stop talking and pause. And just trust me that that pause is going to feel a lot longer to you than it does to anyone who is listening to you. Take a deep breath. Look at the ground. Look at the ceiling. Look somewhere else and remind yourself who this story is really for. It is for them. It's not for you. You've already mastered this story. You've already worked through these emotions. You've already learned these lessons. You're not learning them as you tell the story. You are teaching them. That part is already done. The learning is for them, which is why you need to get, you need to be able to get to the other end of the story in one piece so they can learn from you. So give yourself in that pause, that little pep talk, that little realignment or adjustment. Once you've paused, you've taken your breath and you've reminded yourself of your relationship with the story to the story and who it's really for, then it's okay to proceed. This pause, additionally, here's the other thing that that's happening. This pause, this moment will not only allows you to gather your composure, but it will answer the listener's question, the the audience's question, who's asking themselves, is he or she okay? Taking that moment to regain your composure says to them, yes, I am fine. This is for you. Now, I believe that, yes, our best stories are often the ones that are the most difficult to tell. I also believe that smaller stories, lighthearted stories, are a great option to tell as well. We we love hearing those stories and it's it's fun to share those stories. But if you have an emotional story, if it is a story where um you know you overcame something big back to that original question of how not to sound like a victim, this is your strategy for sharing an emotional story. It is, it has worked for me. It has worked for many others. And I know it will work for you. There is one last piece of advice I would like to give you as your chief storytelling officer at success, as someone whose stories, who, who for my life really is stories. And that is this, have a few stories ready. Have a few stories that you know, that you know you can tell when somebody 
asks you a question in an interview or asks you a question for a podcast, have a few tried and true stories that you've told before that, that you know how the audience responds to, that you know what messages it delivers both on the surface and, and that little bit deeper. You know what the audience will get to know about you, the person, and not just you, the, the leader or the expert or the entrepreneur. Now, the question that follows that is, well, shouldn't I always be telling new stories? Won't my old stories get, well, old? <laughs> and the reality is, yes, if you're telling the same story over and over again, it might get a little old to you. But once again, I want you to turn your attention to the people who are listening. And if they are new people who are listening to your story, your message for the very first time, it doesn't matter if you're tired of it. If it's a good story, if it's a story that gets your message across, then you owe it to the people listening to be generous and tell it just one more time. Now there is much more if this is if this has been interesting to you, if these are some of the concerns or questions that you yourself have asked about storytelling and how you use your story and whether or not you have a story, this is barely scratching the surface. There's a lot more about storytelling, of course, in my book, Stories That Stick. You can follow me on Instagram at Kendra Hall. I'm also on Facebook um, where I continue to talk about storytelling because I really do believe that stories are never about you and arrogance and selfishness. When done right, stories are a gift. And I hope you choose to share yours. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you have questions, feel free to send them my way. If you've enjoyed this or any other episodes of the Success Stories with Kendra Hall podcast, please be sure to rate us and review us and take a screenshot of this episode, post it up on social, tag me, tag Success Magazine so that we can know you're listening. I'll be back to share more stories again soon. If you enjoyed this conversation, look up an inch or down an inch and check out all of our previous discussions. You can find those at iTunes, Spotify, Overcast, Stitcher, or wherever finer podcasts are sold. And of course, check out the latest issue of Success Magazine by heading over to success.com slash subscribe and get more inspiring stories like this delivered right to your front door. Be sure to give us a review on Apple iTunes and you can find me at KindraHall.com or on Instagram at KindraHall. That is Kindra with an I. I can't wait to hear the stories you'll tell. Until next time.